I'd like to introduce this third series of teachings, How Shall We Then Live?, by just reflecting on my own personal journey of faith. Um, I grew up in a church, a mainline denominational church, just like a lot of other people in the 50s and 60s. And you know, the church I grew up in was a, was a good one. Um, it, it had all the things that churches have, you know, a youth group and choir and all, all of those things. And we'd come together Sunday. My dad was uh, an important elder in the church. He, in fact, he had been uh, instrumental in founding that church. So church was always a part of our lives growing up. Our family always participated in almost everything. And yet, as I moved through my teenage years and into my 20s, it seemed like something was missing. Uh, by then, I felt as though um, I ought to be able to say that I definitely knew God. I felt like I ought to be able to, for sure, say that God had done this in my life, or God had done that. And yet I had no evidence that God was even real. We, we seemed to just do the things we did out of a religious idea that this is what you do. If you're a Christian, you participate in youth groups, Sunday school, you know, it's all there. The program is definite and it's pretty much the same throughout a lot of different denominations, and I'm pretty sure you know what I'm talking about. Church is church, and yet, is God in this church? I was not convinced. I, it seemed to me that like there ought to be more of actually experiencing God and knowing God and walking with God than there was, and yet everybody else, it seemed to me, was quite content not to have that extra, uh, you know, if God can be called an extra, you know, it's, it's like there, he ought to be right in the middle of all of this, but he wasn't. And I didn't even know for sure if he was real. So I went on kind of a search for God. Several of the people in my youth group, they didn't see any need for that. And in fact, they actually, many of them just dropped out of seeing a need for church at all. But for me... It was um, a, 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 an unsettling in my heart, and I needed to get that taken care of. It seemed to me, if God was real, then he was the greatest thing to love, serve, and worship. But if he wasn't real, we ought to just all of us admit that he's not real, and we're just playing games. That's kind of where I came to in my early 20s. And so I went on a search and it took me to a theological seminary. The reason I went to a theological seminary is that I knew the meaning of the word theological. It's the study of God. And so these people ought to be able to tell me if God is real. I ought to, I ought to get some evidence in a theological place that God is actually doing things or he's actually there for people. So I spent four years at a theological seminary and did not get any answer 
to my quest at all. The one thing that I learned in theological seminary was you don't really get to God through head trips. And that's what we had. We had head trips galore, head trips coming out the top and out the bottom and everywhere, every pore, you know, it's just head trip, head trip, head trip. And I did very well at my head trips. Um, I, I, I received good grades for head trips. And, and the, the, uh, this, the professors at my seminary basically said, uh, of all the students that, that are here, you would make a wonderful pastor. And so based on that, I, I thought, maybe I'll, I'll become a pastor. If they say I'd make a good pastor, maybe I, I might be one. So, you know, it was as good a, it was as good a choice of a, of a career as any. But clear back, I'm still dealing with the same issue. Is God really there? You know, and so I hadn't really received any answers about that. And so finally, I, I, I get to my first pastorate as an assistant pastor in Oregon. And um, uh, I'm, I'm really unsettled. I, I really don't know what I'm doing there exactly. Um, but they said that I'd make a good pastor, you see. And, the, and then the, the one that, that brought me there uh, was impressed by my academic credentials. I was good at head trips. So, uh, during my first year in this uh, church, I, I wrote uh, a little note or a, a kind of a, a little paragraph in the in the church's newsletter saying, uh, "I'm hungry for God. I'm searching for God, and if anybody else would like to search for God with me, let's form a group and we'll do it together." Well, there was a lady in the church who. As soon as she read that, she she just came right to my office and was there in my office ready to talk to me. And I found out that this lady, um, well, there's two things about her. First of all, uh, as I would look out at the church um, on Sunday mornings while I'm helping to lead worship, she would be beaming there up at me with this smile on her face. Now, everybody else was not like that. You know, it was a, it was such a contrast. So here she was beaming up with this smile of love towards me every time I'd get up there. And, and she'd be looking at me like that. And, uh, and then the other thing was she came into my office and, and she said that um, she wanted to tell me her story. So this is the second thing I'm learning about her, um, that eight years before, she had asked Jesus to baptize her with the Holy Spirit. And when she did, her life changed, and she was a different person after that. And so she wondered if that wasn't the kind of thing that uh, I would be looking for. And so she gave me some books and some cassette tapes, remember what those look like, and uh, I started to listen, and I started to read, and uh, then we'd get together. We had, we did have a small group, and uh, she was the leader, and, and I was really one of, of eight or nine people who were just 
hungry and seeking if we couldn't actually experience God somehow. So finally, after nine months of being in this group together, and it was the day of Pentecost, 1972, we all got together around this table and we asked Jesus to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. And not much happened on that day, but uh, that was the beginning of a total transformation of my life. Now, the, the charismatic movement, which is what I was experiencing, that movement has come and gone. Not much of it left today. But what happened to me, I, it was as though I had stepped into another world. One world was the world of religion. The other world was the world of walking with God. Those are two very different worlds that seem to sort of be together, but oftentimes they aren't. And, and for me, uh, it was uh, a step over from this one world into this other world where I was learning at last how to relate to God, how to hear from God, how to walk with God, how to be with God every day of my life. And before that, for some reason, I just couldn't get there. It was just a religious service, just a denominational thing. It was almost cruel, it seemed to me, that we'd get so close, but yet stay so far. So what I want to do is to share some teachings if any of you are like I was, or maybe you've never like even set foot inside a church and never wanted to, but still you can relate to that hunger for God. I wish that God would make himself real to me. This is a series of teachings that I wanted to do for anyone like that churchgoer or non-churchgoer. To say, this is how I believe anybody can walk with God. Anybody. He is, he is more eager to have us walk with God than we are to walk with him. He is looking for companions, if you can believe that. And uh, he sent Jesus to us in order to pull towards him so many people who would learn how to walk with God. And if the churches aren't really providing this, well, let's try to provide it, whether you're in a church or not in a church, and we'll see what we can do. It's two different ways. That's my point. And what we want to do is to show you the way of really experiencing God and walking with him. So the How Shall We Then Live series of teachings is going to to deal not so much with doctrines, not so much with religious practices, but it's going to try to give you the pattern of sound teaching, which is a pattern of living. And we'll get into that as we go along, but it, it is a pattern by which we can every day walk with God. He becomes just as real to us as the person next to us sitting in a classroom or sitting in a church pew. He, uh, he becomes the most important person in our lives, and we are able to relate to him and experience things from him. He teaches us. 
He guides us through life. He heals us. He does all kinds of things in order to bring us close to him for all eternity. And it's really an exciting life. Um, for, for quite a few years, um, I've been concerned to help other people to learn how to walk with God. Uh, in other words, I was a pastor for 35 years, but it seemed like um, I ought to be helping other people to learn what I had learned from this lady, Willie. Uh, Wilmot was her name, but um, we called her Willie. And she, what she had done for me was to, to, to walk with me until I got it, um, and, and I was on my way. And since this is a pattern, it's not just a, a set of doctrines you can, you can memorize, you know, like a catechism or something like that, but it's a pattern. You know, you can lose the pattern. You can forget the pattern. You can not learn the pattern. And, and so it sometimes takes somebody to walk with you, to help you through your initial experiences of not succeeding or frustrations um, or getting it wrong. Uh, and so it's, it's, it, it was helpful for me to have her with me. And, and so then I felt like I should do the same for others. And I ended up writing a couple of books, um, Fresh Bread, uh, How Jesus Draws Us to God. Um, it had a different title at the beginning. It's been through quite a few different uh, editions. And then uh, after that, Food Groups, A Balanced Diet for Christian Growth. These are, the, these are the study guides that I used to walk with people in my 35 years of ministry. And I, it, was, it was an opportunity for, for me to invest in a few because I felt like this is, this is the way we learn uh, new patterns. Um, we, we, we walk with somebody. And guess where I learned that from? Jesus. That's the way Jesus did it. You know, if it's effective the way Jesus did it, maybe it might be a good thing for us to do. So um, even though I don't know you personally, um, what I'm hoping that you'll do is that you could use these teachings, but then draw upon somebody else that you know, someone who's a little further along um, than you, who can help you, or if you are in a church ministry, that you will see that you could yourself just look out there and see if there aren't some people who just need basic teaching on the pattern of Christ and how they can then learn how to walk with God. If you're walking with God, you've got a very precious skill that you have learned and you can share that skill with others. And maybe I can provide the teaching that will just help to get it into a systematic order so that the teaching would help some new people, maybe more than one, um, several new people to learn how to walk with God as you uh, walk with them and share what you've learned as well. So let me um, say that if you're not sure about the whole idea of walking with God or why that would be worth doing or 
whether it's even worth doing, um, maybe it would be good for you to listen to the very first video of the series, this being just the introduction, but uh, the first video I uh, go into uh, why, why I think that learning to walk with God, as opposed to just going to church on Sunday and doing the religious tradition, then the rest of the day is yours, you know. But what's the point of walking with God? And I give you, in that uh, video, um, the enormous treasures that have come into my life because I've learned this. Um, so I would like you, uh, at least before you decide you're not going to do this, to go to that first video and examine whether this wouldn't be a good thing, a worthwhile thing to learn after all. Um, then also, um, there's three videos that I put in uh, that are entitled uh, The Lost Art of Disciple Making. And there's one for um, just newcomers, people who are just inquiring, who don't know anything about it. But if that's you, there's a there's a video for you in that. Um, there's a second video uh, for um, like people who are more experienced in walking with God and they've been doing it for a while. And then there's a third video for pastors. I was a pastor for 35 years and um, I believe that um, Jesus was the greatest of all the pastors. And when he said, um, make disciples teaching people to observe what I have commanded, he really wants us to do that. And as pastors, are we doing that? Is that what the purpose of our church and our ministry is? And so I've got some ideas about really devoting ourselves to being discipled and making disciples. In other words, investing in love relationships, regardless of the institution of the church and all the committees and choirs and, you know, the, the, the pews, the pulpits, the stained glass windows, the steeples with bells, all that stuff. Maybe that isn't as important as we've made it, and maybe what is important is what Jesus says is important. And I'm hoping that I can uh, make a case for the lost art of disciple-making. 